0: So, Snita Sur. I hope I pronounced that as perfectly without offending anybody. We were just having a fabulous conversation. I wish it was on the record, but we'd probably get in trouble. Um, anyhow, I'm so excited to have you uh, on Spilling Chai. I've been wanting to have you on Spilling Chai forever because I am not only such a huge fan of you, but I'm such a huge fan of uh, the juggernaut. And is that how you prefer to say a juggernaut? Now I have like a whole name complex with you. I'm going to be like, is it Molly? No, no, the juggernaut, the juggernaut <laughs> just, is great. I love okay,
1: great. the juggernaut. I think the is very important. That's what we have trademarked. It's trademarked as the juggernaut. So that's perfect.
0: <laughs> I want to quickly read your background to, I usually don't do this um, to our viewers because it is so incredible. Um, and then I want to get into everything with you. So, You are someone who's worked at McKinsey, New York, you've worked in Bollywood, you've worked in media-focused venture capital, PE in production marketing at an Indio video streaming company, and in launch strategy for Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine. You've also advised BuzzFeed, Quartz, and Scroll. You graduated from Harvard Business School, not a big deal, as a Baker Scholar with an MBA and magna cum laude from Yale College in Economics and South Asian Studies. And you're fluent in Hindi, Bengali, and sometimes slip into Mandarin. Uh, Yeah. So tell me about your background. Where did you grow up? And do your parents give parenting coaching classes?
1: Okay, Anusha, first of all, I need to keep you around for whenever I'm going to a pitch meeting because you should just introduce me instead of me trying to introduce myself. Um, in terms of my parents, what I love about my parents is that ever since I was a little kid, they knew I was really strange and different compared to everybody else that they kind of seen. And for the most part, they left me alone. My mom, you know, I think I sometimes tell the story. My mom still tells me the story is that when I was a little kid, And she was like trying to help me tie my shoelaces. I think I was two or three. I literally pushed her hands away and I was like, mom, I got it. And she was like, okay, I knew not to mess with you and to leave you be. And I think that, you know, there's this huge trope I feel that a lot of people have, which is that, especially because of who we are as South Asians or sometimes even grouped into the larger Asian category, okay, all of our parents must be tiger mothers or tiger fathers or like sitting around waiting to tell you to do stuff or waiting to tell you, you have to achieve. But I think my parents from a very early age kind of just let me do what I wanted. They kind of trusted me to do what I wanted. And in a weird way, it set me up for future success because I was mostly just competing with myself. I wasn't really trying to get my parents accolades. I wasn't trying to get my peers accolades for many, many years. My parents didn't even know my GPA. So like when I showed showed up to my high school graduation and they're like, where is she? She's not in the row. She's not sitting here. And then like the curtains drop and I'm like sitting on stage because they didn't realize I graduated at the top of my class. And that's, that's how much they didn't know what I was doing. Um, And, you know, it wasn't an intentional thing on my part. I actually want to surprise them on that day. But, you know, the thing is that I do think there's some beauty that happens where if you see that your kids are leaning a certain way, I'm not a parent myself, Anusha, you are. But what I've observed, and I'd like to channel one day, if I have the blessings of having kids is that I'd love to kind of just start observing them and seeing, okay, where are they naturally leaning and kind of let them go forth because, um, they just might be their own best champions. Right. They like, I I think more so than anything. And my partner also went to many, many quote unquote esteemed places, And I asked him too, I was like, were your parents like on your case? And he was like, no, they kind of like, let me me, do whatever I wanted. And I was like, okay, all right. I like that vibe.
0: (laughs) Um, I really, really like that vibe and that's such a healthier vibe. And I feel like Uh, You're right. It is a stereotype, but it's also a stereotype because it's still so true. I mean, really, I don't want to say Asians in general. I will just speak just from just Bangladeshis, man. Oh my God, the pressure. It starts like the minute you uh, exit the womb. But I was kind of like the black sheep of the family and um, no one expected anything from me ever. And I feel like that was probably my biggest blessing. Like the other day, my parents were praising me about something and I went do you guys remember? Uh-huh. <laughs> Why is he did it? I'm a Capricorn, so I have an amazing memory. Pulled out the sheet and they were just- Me too. I I mean, yeah, Capricorns I have
1: an remember everything. We're like yeah. elephants. Like do not cross us. We are vengeful. Yeah,
0: exactly. I'm like, <laughs> do not only have the receipts, but they're handwritten because they're from the 80s. Um, <laughs> but they are I mean, we're just cracking up about it. But later I was thinking, I'm like, I, I bet that- that was such a such something so freeing because I, mean, I don't think my elder yeah, siblings think, had that and you know
1: well, so you are the youngest I guess yeah. so I think the other thing to speak about here is you mentioned being Bangladeshi and we were just chatting about you know I'm also originally from ancestry from Bangladesh my parents left my ancestors left because of partition but I do think a lot of Bengali and Bangladeshi people I know um, we have this like inherent trauma so all we kind of care about is like, my parents remember, I remember them telling me like, you know, we don't care about like, it's not really about material possessions. It's about, oh, can you get as educated as you possibly can? What can someone never take away from you? There's that sense of inherent loss. So no one, people can take away your house, people can take away your money, but they can't take away what's inside your head. So I will say that they always encouraged me ever since I was a little kid is like, hey, if you want to borrow a hundred books from the library, go knock yourself out. We'll go multiple times to the library so you can get those books. And my parents, even when they didn't have much money as new immigrants, the one thing they would let me buy is a book if we went to Barnes and Noble, right? That's the one thing they would let me buy. And I remember that. And I think that there's probably that expectation in that sense, which is like, hey, we hope you can stand on your own even if we don't exist because you know they lost so many things so many times.
0: Um, I love that you said that this could be its own interview. Um, you're so right about the trauma and you're so right about them not wanting to to lose things because you know what my mom always told me growing up was that hard work just work hard work hard she was like hard work is something no one can ever take away from you and I never understood why it why someone would want to take it away from me if it was mine but I understand that so well and then also separately my nanny uh, you know, who's a survivor of the 44 famine, which was so, you know, the Bangladesh famine, which was so terrible. She used to keep food like in her closet, like expired food, like Cadbury bars and like weird stuff. And so whenever we'd go to see her and I'd always be like, oh God, I don't want to eat anything at Nani's house, but she us this and that. And it took me like decades to understand that she was doing that because she lived through a famine. So she was literally um, hoarding foods, but you're so right about the the trauma. Nobody, you know, people just uh, study the partition more, the partition of India. Okay. It was, was, do you know that it was the largest mass human migration in the history of the world? Like people just literally got up uh, and left. And can you and then so much trauma happened after that, right? Then there was Pakistan, then there was. Just yeah. war.
1: I think yeah, and I think I tweeted my most popular tweet to this day, because whoever's following me on Twitter is the it's a tweet I did on partition, because my point is that, and you probably will agree with me because we're from this part of the side or the side of the world, is that, you know, partition stories, especially in the West, first of all, they're rare, but now that they've increasing, they get conflated with just Pakistan, it's like oh, partition was just about Punjabi. Yes, and I'm like, how?
0: No, other
1: side. Yes, they they experienced like double trauma because you know I still had ancestors who stayed behind in Bangladesh, and then they had 1971. Yeah, and then they had Pakistanis killing their family. Yes, no one
0: understands that.
1: Yeah, no one understands like- I have family that's in
0: Pakistan who who, you know, who stayed back or like chose, you know, whatever, and they consider themselves Pakistanis, um, who don't necessarily believe in like the 71 genocide. Like, it's just like the Armenians and the Turks. Like they were just not taught about it, even though I mean my mom has stories about her being in the same house as her cousin. While Pakistani soldiers were raping family members, so I mean, it, it, the whole it's a it's a, it's like a triple trauma we don't talk about, and even in the Gandhi movie, which was great. And, but do you remember Partition was like a ten-minute side conversation that they had? It's like my parents didn't <laughs> hello. let me watch
1: the Gandhi movie. My parents didn't let me watch the Gandhi movie when I was growing up, so I guess I need to go watch that because that's a Richard <laughs> Attenborough film. Yeah, yeah, but, it was, but it was uh, that's embarrassing. Yeah,
0: watch no, that. it's really embarrassing, and someone needs to talk about. It, but the juggernaut needs to write about it. I mean, that it did not happen on the side. Well. Okay, well here we are. <laughs> Maybe that's how the British approached it because you know it only took them six days.
1: Yeah, um, the British were the worst. You can trace all modern day problems back to them, all
0: of them. That's a whole other episode. Um, I So this I love. You quote, um, say that your mission is to diversify storytelling. I love that so much. That's kind of how when blogging first started a gazillion years ago without aging me. Um, That's kind of why I first started writing online, because I mean, even though I came from Bangladesh and yeah, we have all those problems and stuff. um, I came from a really matriarchal family and even women in my, in my family, if they were um, just homemakers, I don't want to say just homemakers. uh, I mean, that was their domain. So I've always had really powerful, strong women. And then I come to America and I'm like, what is this? Why is it always a charity event? And You know, why are we always like asking to raise uh, money for like poor brown women? Are you kidding me? Um, And you know, the best advice I think I got from my one of my best friends, but she she told me she goes, "Well, why don't you start writing?" He's like, "Start, you know, start writing the kind of stories that you want to see." And I feel like you're doing that with Juggernaut, and you could have gone such a cheesy way, but I love the stories that you guys do. I mean, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to pull some up because I just, everybody go follow yeah. the juggernaut on Instagram, but like, I love what you wrote about barvin Pavi the other day, how Bollywood failed Barveen Bobby. And then you made it about her, her schizophrenia, you know? And then, I mean, okay, first I'm a huge Shah Khan fan. So everything about Shahrukh. Yes. I mean, right up there, but it's not only just about Bollywood, you know, I mean, the one you have how Gaurav Gupta won the red carpet. I mean, just the the queer legacy of Bend It Like Beckham. Like, I mean, I think you guys did a beautiful one once about the Jamdani Sari, you know, the. Yeah that oh oh a Bangladeshi muslin I think it was um yeah yeah I was just like this is amazing I'm so happy that my kids um that I can show them stuff like this like read this look at this so you're really creating something um I mean you know aside from like us and like your peers you know for like young South Asian girls young brown girls and it's just so cool because that history uh could get lost so tell me about that tell me How's it going diversifying storytelling?
1: Yeah, I love so many of the observations you said. So many things I want to respond to. First of all, 100% Bengali culture is way more matriarchal. I mean, even in the gender of the word, you know, words we say in Bengali, like my partner is trying to learn Hindi right now, but I joked with him that Bengali is a simpler language because you don't have declensions or gender. You just say choto, and in Hindi, it's choti or chota which is male or female. But in Bengali, you just have one word for anything that's small or big or whatever. Um, You know, and I think that <clears throat> that even our all of our gods, if you're Hindu, our gods are actually goddesses. It's Kali and Durga and all these amazing women that we actually look up to, like the men are just like kind of side characters. And I think that growing up even like my parents never really treated me any weirdly or differently from a, like a dude, like whenever I had to go to school or whatever, they're like, yeah, go to the best school. I commuted two hours a day to go to Stuyvesant. Like. That was tough. Like, they just gave me a cell phone and they're like, go forth, right? Like, I, I knew some female cousins who were told to stay within state for college because their parents felt more comfortable. My parents were like, go to the best college you want to and then go. Like, we got you, right? And I think that that's very, very important. In terms of how it's going in terms of diversifying stories, it's exactly the insight you mentioned. It was, I'm a huge nerd. I read a lot. I grew up reading a lot. And I would remember just so much of what my mom told me or what I saw in film was not what we were reading in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or textbooks. Like, and that's terrible, right? And speaking of history dying, the history is already dying, right? Like many people who survived partition are no longer alive. Unfortunately, all of my grandparents have passed away. Um, and, you know, I didn't have a great relationship. I will also blame myself with some of them when I was a little kid, because, you know, little kids tend to be brats, especially diaspora kids. Like you don't have the patience to talk to your grandparents. You really don't.
0: Like, Do you know that you really word in don't. Bangla, uh, biadduk? i mean really i
1: also we also have what it, like, it so bad. it really, really yeah, I understand now we've got so really huge brats huge brats. i remember my grandma would painstakingly write you know those aerograms in bengali in bengali and my mom taught me bengali to respond to her and to for her to get me to write three lines to my grandma after she wrote this entire beautiful letter i'd just be a, a brat about it and i think that um You know, and I think a lot of that history is dying. So when I was trying to think about, okay, how do we make the juggernaut the juggernaut? A lot of it came from me. You know, many founder-led companies come from the founder. One of the reasons Bollywood has been such a strong vertical, and a lot of people yell at us, like, why do you only do Bollywood? The reason I picked that as one of our kind of core verticals is because people forget that Bollywood is global. Bollywood is a year younger than Hollywood. People watch Bollywood in Nigeria. They watch it in Peru. They watch it in Russia. They watch it in China. They watch it in, you name a country, Uzbekistan, wherever you name it, people watch Bollywood. It is a parallel film system to Hollywood. Mm -hmm. That's not, I'm not promoting Bollywood because I'm like Hindi-centric or North Indian. People are like, oh, you North Indians. I'm like, dude, like my first language is Bengali or actually my first language is Chattisgari and then Bengali and then Hindi and then English. But my point is that, it's not because I'm North Indian centric for all of those people who are listening. It's because Bollywood is truly a global system. Yeah, It's the same idea for why do global publications cover Hollywood? I even read the this, this stuff. I'm, I have a potty mouth too. You read the Time 100 list, go read the PR release. Anushya, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Not one of the people mentioned of the big global icons on the Time 100, by the way, were mm-hmm. Shah Rukh Khan, Deepika, Alia. None of those names were mentioned. SS Raja Muli. They only mention the Hollywood people as the biggest celebrities, and I'm like, are you yeah, kidding me? Dipika has more Instagram yeah. followers than fricking Jenna or Orte- like, sorry, not Jenna yeah. or sorry, I'm confusing my posts. But Dipika, Sharuk, many of these people have way more Instagram followers and fan bases, yeah. way larger fan bases than some of the other Hollywood people they mentioned. Yeah. But in the time, 100 released, they're completely missing. Yeah, completely nothing.
0: They had uh, Priyanka on the cover uh, one year, but it's so. But America has reduced Bollywood to a freaking like aerobics class, or you know, or yeah. whatever they call them. So they cannot imagine. But you're right. Some some people are so shocked that uh, I'm trilingual. Actually, more than trilingual. But they couldn't even understand how I became trilingual. And I was like, because I grew up in Bangladesh, I spoke Bangla, went to the American school, learned English foreign British colony. Everybody studies in English. And then I had to learn Spanish. And then we watched Hindi movies. That is our entertainment. And it wasn't just Bangladesh, dude. It's everywhere. Like Americans couldn't imagine. And that's why I really love I love Priyanka Chopra for a lot of reasons. I know she gets a lot of clack, but I love her so much for being like, this is, you know, this is not a Zumba class. This, this is a prolific industry. Okay. And don't reduce
1: don't reduce that, so and yeah. it's and guess what my favorite stat do you know that despite being the most prolific producer of films and being like about the same age as hollywood india has never won a best uh, international film oscar mm-hmm. let alone a best picture oscar which is ridiculous to me because guess what our films and if you look at we actually did a study we did a chart italy and japan produces way fewer films than us And they Mm -hmm. keep on consistently winning, and German cinema winning Mm -hmm. Oscars, because in the West, German, Italian, and Japanese film are just held onto this, like, elevated to this pedestal. Yes, yes, But South Asian cinema is considered to be, like, other, because they just can't understand it. They can't understand a a world that doesn't rely on the Western novel. I think they just can't
0: imagine, or uh, absorb so many Brown people doing such incredible things. I think it comes down to like, I was telling my dad this, I'm like at the core of racism, is it really just jealousy? <laughs> but yeah. I am mean, I know, right.
1: like, isn't that? Like, is it?
0: I, 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 because, I can to, that, in
1: private settings to some of my have friends. have you <laughs> oh okay, God I
0: love I love that because I, I felt have. like I, I felt like I came up with this epiphany and my dad was like yes I think you're right but even with this Natu Natu, which I was so you know great and happy about and Deepika got the Oscars this year okay great thanks for our breadcrumbs did you know that the dancers weren't Indian did you hear about that yeah of course we also about this yeah. we
1: posted okay. about this and there were so so many excuses and I feel like they're so interesting because we do have a lot of followers from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh on our Instagram as well and there's a huge divide that diaspora people were really in pain they were like how is it that it's our one and only shot sometimes because it feels like it's so rare and in the story it's very critical that the two men are South Asian it's very critical that they're Indian even better if you can you should also make them you know belico speaking dancers if you can't like there's so many things right and so the diaspora was really upset and the Indians were like, you should be proud, like not Nacho Nacho's on stage, right? I then went and looked back at um, um A.R. Rahman's J. Ho performance. It was also all primarily non-South Asians. We've just let it go time and time and time again. You watch the Black Panther song performance by Rihanna. You watch the Everything Everywhere All at Once performance by Steph Shu, And all the dancers were East Asian. All the like performers were Black. Like, every single other community has demanded a level of care our community for so long we just put our head down like nope don't don't care yeah. about it like just oh, no it's like, always don't, it's don't yeah it's bad. always
0: don't cause I know I know I feel oh, like yeah to this day yeah model minority and last comment is yeah no yeah it's, sorry it's, go, go ahead, go ahead finish, no you finish, go go no go, go. you go ahead you
1: go ahead I was going to say to this day, like my partner, he's a South Asian man. He's an Indian American and he has a beard to this day. Every single time, every single time we go through TSA for an international flight. Guess who gets stopped for an extra five minutes? Him. Always. Every single time. And we don't talk about this. We don't talk about this. It's like the daily slice.
0: Yes. The daily. These are called the, I guess the racial microaggressions. There's so many of them. Somebody was asking me. Uh, one of my friends had like taken some edibles like through uh, an airport and something, and she was like, "Would you?" And I was like, "I would never." My life is the same, dude. I get pulled over. I would. I would end <laughs> up in Guantanamo. Only a white lady can take a bag full of edibles and just be like, "Toodles," you know, uh, uh, <laughs> on their way. What were we talking about before? Because I had a really important the not point. to not to point. The not to and not not- I'm like point. oh. We- uh, you know i feel like east asians get this a lot like they, they're supposed to be this mo- a of minority but i feel like all asians have it it's just like shut up you know put your head down and i really think that is changing with our generation because it's really actually no f you it's not okay and very racist but the other thing that's so offensive is that dance is such a huge part of our culture and the answer like so, so the best dancers in the world like are you kidding yeah me?
1: I think that's why a lot of the sources we've had this really wonderful offensive article, right, co-written by, by Devia Jetwani and she screenshotted all these things where the dance choreographers were like, we weren't confident that working with somebody last minute from the South Asian community would be up to the quality we wanted. Well, what the fuck does TV. that mean? And she was like, are you kidding me? Like, by the way, the original dance was choreographed by an Indian. The original dance was danced <laughs> to by Indians. By Indians. But like the fact that you think that, like, you, that, by the way, I bet, like, if you just talk to any Indian person or any South Asian person, they probably already know the dance. Like, the fact yeah. that I mean, you don't have to even be <laughs> the dance, they literally already know the dance. You probably have to go through stage direction with them in terms of where they move and where they. Yeah. Uh, but they probably already know the dance Yeah, because guess what we've known the dance since the movie came out. Like literally that's what happened.
0: Yeah, exactly. And not to
1: mention that's like, how I find that hilarious. Oh, I mean,
0: we never talk about also the, uh, the backup dancers, the background dancers. I mean, I think coordinated dancing, dance thinking all of this stuff that everybody loves was invented by Daisies. I mean, hello, we've had like, I mean, if you watched,
1: there was like that <laughs> whole NMAC gala thing. And even if you watch some of those videos, Alia Puch, who wasn't even in the freaking oh, song, yeah, so, but she was in the movie. She, did she did goes it. up and dances to Najinatu. She didn't yeah. she, she just, just had she's Yeah. Like, she's, <laughs> she's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Like, oh, like, the fact that you and... thought that nobody was ready... It's hilarious. I mean, me. and what a, was, what an I mean, who, and
0: who's their PR? Like, who's their publicist? How, I mean, we need, we need to be there. You and I need to go there, though, because seriously, in the well, year 20, what, 2023. Called
1: we called it out.
0: No, we but how it it people, was somebody not in the room being like, hey guys, this is really effing racist and offensive and well, here's Indians what are the say. best dancers and choreographers. Here's what I
1: will say. Here's what I will say. You know that the producer was Indian of the show.
0: Oh, no. So, I what didn't happens know that.
1: is that so what happens is often, unfortunately, when oh, there's no. sometimes South Asian people in the room, and I'm not going to say this person was responsible at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the politics of an organization can happen as such that if yeah. there is a South Asian or an Indian person or whatever person in the room, that person kind of becomes the, the scapegoat, not only in blaming things, but also the scapegoat in, in the sense of, I checked this off my list. This is already taken care of, when that's not necessarily true. So to explain that a little bit further, let's say this person is the producer of the show. Somebody somewhere probably thought, well, if he doesn't have a problem with two Indians not being the leads, then it must not be an issue, right? Like, you know, and he probably, to give him the benefit of the doubt, he's probably like, I can't create too much an issue about this. Dude, he doesn't want to get gonna, fired. He's, he's going to get fired. Who knows? Who knows, right? Yeah. But basically it becomes this weird, like political deadlock where nobody yeah. says anything and we get through. That's basically what happened.
0: It was just so <laughs> crazy. I was just like, natu, natu, or gora, gora. Like, what was going on? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, it was bad. It was, bad. <laughs> it was so bad. So offensive. Anyhow, my last question to you, you have been so generous with your time, is what is your advice to young women? Going out, starting your own venture, uh, fundraising, fundraising, everybody needs the money, guys, um, staff. I mean, being a CEO, all of this, like, what? what is your advice to, to young women? Because we weren't growing up seeing women like us, you know, being like, I mean, no. I didn't, I didn't even know that you could be on TV as a non-white person in America. <laughs> I, <can't laughs> believe I just said that out loud. And now we're and now- you like my girls have like such amazing, amazing, uh, brown girl magic, uh, role models to look up to, but tell us about your journey about launching something on your own, becoming your own, your business fundraising. How, you know, tell us about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I will say if, if, if if the question is what's the advice I would give to young brown women, truly my advice will be, it's not going to be fair, but you can, Steal yourself and fight for h- fight harder than everyone else. I mean, even when I go fundraising, like for every dollar I raise, like a white dude who has no product and no revenue and no customers is raising usually ten x what I'm raising. And by the way, when then you look at the revenue they've generated, if I raise, I'm making this up. If I'm raising two million, I turn it into one million in recurring revenue. Right, that's what I can do. If a man raises a hundred million, he's turning it into two million of recurring revenue. He literally takes a hundred, like fifty x the money to create only 2X the money uh, in terms of revenue, which is sad. And people keep investing in this. Meanwhile, for women, when I raise, they're like, oh, your price is too high. Oh, this is, like, they complain. They are trying to get some form of, like, good price out of you. I've had unhinged, I've had this family office guy tell me that my model was shoddy and that my um, that I was unprofessional and shady and unreliable. And I asked him, can you please point to specific examples that make you believe this? And he couldn't. It was just a feeling he had. And I think that to all the women and young South Asian women out there, life is not going to be fair. That's one of the first things my partner keeps on reminding me. It's not going to be fair. And I'm not going to pretend it's going to be fair, even in 20 years. It's not. I mean... Venture funding as a percentage that went towards women went from 2.6% and plummeted to 1.9%. And the percentage that goes to women of color is like 0.00006%. Like I've lost track of the zeros. That's unacceptable to me. That's completely unacceptable. And that's not going to change in 20 years. That's impossible in the sense like it can't get to 50-50 is what I'm trying to say in 20 years. So what I challenge all the young women out there is go get the data, go build, pretend you're never going to get a single dollar, but raise as much as you can, whenever you can and find your true allies. And some of your allies are not going to be from your community. They're not going to be from your gender. They're not going to be from the things you identify with. Some of my best, best champions have been black men. Truly. Thank you, black men. You have supported me and helped me raise money, introduced me to other people. Like I wouldn't have done it without you. And Many of my biggest supporters are Jewish men. Many of them are immigrant men. They are men who have seen our similar journeys, might not be in my exact same shoes, but they understand what I'm building. And so those are kind of my kind of tough love advice, which is like, it's not gonna be fair, but you're gonna fight harder than anyone else. And I know you will. And guess what? You're gonna be like Ma Thali. You're gonna be like so freaking strong and no one's gonna squash you. Like just keep, you know, keep fighting. That's what I keep on saying. That's my theory.
0: Um I think I'm going to go and cry now. Um, that is so beautiful. And that is so true. Keep fighting because by the way, life's not going to be fair. And that is a, a test to if you're going to quit or not, you really want it, you just to just keep going, keep going. Like, what's that? What's that song? Just your dirt off your shoulders. You really got to do that. You can have a good cry. <laughs> yeah. Have a good cry. <laughs> Actually, it's a great Elizabeth I've Taylor. have many quote. good cries. I've, many, many good I've cries. had
1: many good cries. I've had and many then, good um, cries. Like, what happens is like, you know. And yeah, you have good cries, but you know, also surround yourself with people who energize you. Yes. Set yourself some boundaries. Like my partner boundaries. is so supportive. Also, yeah. if you are interested, like if you are in a phase of your life where you have a romantic partner, make sure that person is rooting for you. Like that person better be rooting for you, one hundred and twenty percent.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, please, please. I think it's really. I'm married to a guy who's young, uh, five years younger than me, and I think I have really hope in in his generation. Uh, of men I feel like they are really like kind of getting it because they grew up as our peers but I feel like my generation of men as much as I love my Bangladeshi guy friends they all wanted you know even we all went to college together in the states you no know, but they all went, and went home and married you know this girl they'd never met that their mom chose for them perfect cooking has a master's degree you know all like a, a, a overeducated housewife basically which is fine I guess but the point is the world is a different place now and we have so many options yeah. and yes, it's not going to be fair, but don't give up and don't, don't quit and get in the numbers and do your homework, right? Come in with the numbers. Did you see all the stats that Sniglin just, just busted out? <laughs> know your numbers, know your, no, know, know your stuff, know your information. I always say this to my girls. Know your stuff. I do like do your homework. Homework does not end when school ends. Like do your homework like forever.
1: <laughs> to strong Bengali
0: women forever. We see you. Keep we see you, and I have to quickly say, you know, uh not to plug my book, which I always like to do. But I dedicated it. Well, I dedicated it uh, to my grandfather and my husband and my two daughters. But at the end, the acknowledgements, I said, I dedicate this book to all the Bangladeshi women. They are the strongest women. I know, and I hope I have made you proud. And I really, I feel like that. I feel like that. I'm going to go cry now over a cup of tea. You time. have made them
1: proud. You have made them you proud. You have
0: made them proud. You have made them proud too. <laughs> anyway, it was so great to talk to you. I am such a huge fan and I will be uh, seeing you soon. Thank you so much for your time and have a great rest of the week. Thanks, shaking. Bye.